Hashem Hashem Nasev and Natsliach Shul Torah Bukhim Abayim. We're back here to start a new week. Uh, unlike our uh, traditional way where uh, we uh, do the uh, series of the Jewish Ashkafa today, tonight we'll uh, do a little bit of Ashkafa, but regarding Pesach specifically or Yom Tov, uh, we'll go over a few Alachot, but mainly it's going to be uh, more of the uh, Ashkafa and Musar regarding what is happiness really uh, according to the Torah. Um, tonight's you. Uh, will be for a refuah uh, shlema for Rabbanit Levana Bat Sara, Rabbi Ephraim Ben Shulamit, Rabbanit Sara Bat Anat, Avi Mori David Ben Esriah, Imi Morati Doris Bat Jora, also for Atzlachar Bat Marsha Bat Juli, Ayla Bat Marsha, Samuel Ben Marsha, Sefas Ben Marsha, Alexander Ben Marsha, Louis Ben Marsha, Shaul Ben Farzane, Amir Ben Shain, and all of Am Yisrael and all of the righteous Noahides that continue to contribute, continue to uh, learn Torah, continue to do whatever they possibly can to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the fullest extent. Uh, so uh, tonight uh, we thought uh, uh, that there's uh, a lot to say uh, in regards to uh, the uh, what we need to do, what we need to prepare over these next few days. Uh, we have, Baruch Hashem, uh, less than a week uh, before uh, Pesach, the big day, the, uh, the Exodus, as the uh, Ramchal says, uh, each, uh, you know, the Jewish holidays, unlike the, uh, the Goim, uh, the Jewish holidays are always on the same exact time of the year, every single year. There's no, uh, uh, you know, if, uh, like the calendar changes like they have in the uh, Gregorian calendar. And uh, what happens here is what happens above, meaning that when there is a, uh, a specific holiday, uh, that's commemorating the Exodus, commemorating uh, Matan Torah, like in Shavuot, or anything like that. There are specific things that happen in the heavens that open up, certain doors that open up, certain angels, certain uh, 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 mercy uh, uh, comes to the world. That is unique to that time. And there's uh, no greater mercy than the mercy that Hashem had on us, uh, you know, at the uh, time of Egypt, because if it wasn't for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, taking us out of Egypt and giving us the Torah, we would still be slaves in Egypt to this day. And uh, as the Chachamim teach us, even if Am Yisrael would have been taken out of Egypt, but without being given the Torah, they would have still been slaves regardless, because without Torah, in essence, a person ends up being a slave to the world, uh, like we see the world around us. And uh, the more a person learns Torah, the more a person cleaves to the Chachamim, uh, which is uh, fulfilling the mitzvah of cleaving to Hashem, the more a person understands the significant difference between someone that is Jewish and uh, glued to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and living a Jewish life versus one of these uh, Gentiles that's out there that's promoting uh, homosexuality for children and all types of uh, hormone therapy for a five-year-old because maybe he doesn't know how to uh, be a boy, he might as well be a girl. You know, there's a lot of uh, uh, things that are happening in the world that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is doing in order to decipher between the wicked and the righteous. And uh, more, than, uh, more than ever, from my, from my perspective, as far as my lifetime, has it been more, you know, has it been as clear? <clears throat> who is the righteous and who is the wicked? You're seeing things in the world, up, you know, going upside down. And really now more than ever, even people that were not necessarily so connected to, uh, to the Torah are realizing that their way that they've done for 30, 40, 50 years 
is simply not working. You know, they're, you know, the people, regardless of whether they're attaining success monetarily or otherwise, they're still not happy. They're still looking for that, uh, you know, for that next big thing that may eventually make them happy, whether it's the next marriage, even if it's number three or four, whether it's the next kid, whether it's the next job or the next career or the next million, but yet, even if they attain it, they don't get that happiness. The same token, the world around them is going upside down. People are questioning whether they should bring children to the world in a world where the so-called children company that, uh, uh, you know, that's uh, Disney World, Disneyland, is now promoting uh, homosexuality on a daily basis in their cartoons, in their parks, with a agenda to bring this type of stuff to your children. And, you know, if this is coming from places like that and not just your... Uh, uh, local uh, pedophile, but also coming from major corporations, people obviously are realizing that the world is literally upside down. Uh, now, of course, uh, you know, we, uh, we always see upside down in the world, but what about Israel? Israel, unfortunately, is sometimes worse than the, uh, the others. When you see a secular government uh, putting the soldiers, the soldiers that are supposed to fight for them, the soldiers that are supposed to protect them, uh, you know, are, uh, are being put at risk even more than the, uh, you know, the, the actual civilians. Because when a terrorist comes and attacks people, the soldiers are scared. Why would you be scared if you have the most advanced weapons in the world? Because you know that your own government will prosecute, prosecute you if you shoot this terrorist that's not to their likings. And unfortunately, uh, it wasn't too long ago where a soldier that killed a terrorist, an Israeli soldier that killed a terrorist, was put into jail for a year. Now there's been a, a couple of uh, uh, more terrorists that have been killed after killing people, after killing people. And of course, people are putting this up to question. But again, there was more terrorism in the last 24 hours. And now a, uh, the, uh, the government is questioning whether to actually put these soldiers on trial, because if they don't, the Palestinian terrorist that's inside the government is going to break the government. Because he says we should put them on trial. They're Israeli soldiers. And they killed an Arab. That's not uh, that's not allowed in a uh, in, in this government. And he is the most powerful people person in the Israeli government. Literally, and a Palestinian terrorist is the most powerful person in the Israeli government right now. Because if they don't do what he wants, if uh, the 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 clown liar that uh, calls himself a religious Jew, but in reality was uh, shown recently that he's probably not even Jewish because his mom did a, uh, uh, a reform conversion. So unless he did a Giyul Lechumla of some kind at some other point, the Prime Minister of Israel is uh, going to have to follow what this Palestinian is telling him. Why? Because if he doesn't, he's going to break the government. It's either that or he's going to bend uh, uh, friendship with the most vicious uh, part of the Palestinians, the ones that actually want Sharia law. So you have a world that's upside down. The soldiers can't fight. The, the, the people are upside down. And, and it's a lot of confusion out there. Now, when you uh, look at, the, uh, at, uh, at Israel right now, there are obviously certain people that are doing very well, but there are also certain, uh, quite a few more people that are doing terrible financially, especially in the religious world. There's a lot of people that are struggling uh, with the inflation skyrocketing, as I've mentioned to you guys many times, the prices of everything have gone up so much that many people, even ones that have two and three jobs, are simply not able to afford to uh, to buy the uh, the things they need for uh, for the holiday. 
and never, never more than now has there been a need to help. And Baruch Hashem, we had the merit to uh, help quite a few people. And the thank yous and the crying and the messages that we're getting from people that are being helped, really, on one hand, it, it, it's 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 nice to hear it, but on another hand, it makes me very sad that we don't have a whole lot more, a thousand times more, to help everybody that can be helped, everybody that needs to be helped. And the question is, is that really our obligation? Well, if we look at the Western society, I saw there was a uh, uh, quite a few people are uh, are uh, uh, you know struggling. There's no question about it. There's a lot of people that are struggling, but nowhere near the percentages uh, as what we have in Israel. And really, the difference between struggling in Israel and struggling in America or in the UK are worlds apart. In Israel, someone is struggling; they literally don't have cheese in their in their refrigerator to eat. In America, somebody is struggling many times, that means that they don't have meat, but perhaps they have everything else. So the struggle is very different. You know, in Israel, they're struggling even though they're, they're living in a house that's a little bit bigger than my office. In America, they're struggling because they, uh, you know, they jumped into a house that's a little bigger than what they need, and it's uh, four or five bedrooms, even though they really only need two, but they like big houses, so they figured they might as well buy a million dollar house, and now they're struggling to pay the mortgage. So the struggle is perhaps very different in many cases, uh, quite a bit different. And, and quite frankly, when you see some of these articles that people are talking about, uh, I don't waste my time reading them, but I just see simply the headlines. And uh, people are asking, uh, you know, add a fifth question, add a fifth question to, uh, to Pesach. Why are the prices so high? Why are the prices so high? So people in America are complaining about why the prices of food of the holiday is so high. No one is actually really complaining about why the vacation resorts are so high and why there is so many people going to these vacations that really it's become a, a holiday where no one knows where anybody else is because everybody's in a different spot. The, the vacation resorts are packed. Uh, the, uh, their, the only struggle they have is to make sure that they have enough food for everybody because there are so many people that could afford these expensive vacations. So on one hand, you have people complaining about the prices, but yet at the same token, the very same people that are writing these articles, that are reading these articles, are the ones that are spending twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 to go on a Pesach vacation. And many times, they're coming to the Disneyland and the Disney World that we really shouldn't be allowed to go to, and quite frankly, or not. So it's a confusing world. It's a very, very confusing world. It's a confused world, and people need to know where, where everything stands. Now, the, uh, this is not uh, uh, to say that uh, this part is secondary, but we also have to address something that we spoke about last week, halachically, and since I don't know how long the second part's going to take, we have to take care of the halacha first to make sure that some people understand what's at stake, what's going on, uh, and also uh, to cool down a little bit because there's been a, uh, a little bit of turmoil for some people that are Sephardic over the last week since we spoke and we quoted the Alachayim Yalkut Yosef a week ago about Kumen uh, and uh, how he, he wrote here that it's, a, uh, it's not allowed even if it has Jewish, uh, uh, Jewish Ashkacha, uh, I mean Kashrut, uh, even if asked kashrut, you're not allowed to use cumin. So after that, you know, again, I'm not exactly a chef. My wife, Baruch Hashem, God bless her, and give her many, many years of health and happiness and success, uh, you know, with, with our beautiful children. She cooks. She deals with this stuff. I'm very good at eating. She's very good at cooking. Baruch Hashem will make a good match for the last 20 years. But 
I didn't exactly realize how much of a difference this makes to the average household. And after the shiur, my own wife told me, listen, you have to understand, this is a tragedy. I said, why is it a tragedy? She says, because if you're Sephardi, this is like uh, recipe number one. It's ingredient number one in many dishes. So, and of course, I got the emails and the messages from people. I don't understand. What do you mean? How did nobody ever know this? The cumin, I just quoted what the Allah says. I thought it was unusual that uh, this statement was, was made, but uh, I didn't exactly realize how, many, how much turmoil it would make. So, Baruch Hashem, B'dakinu B'Kodesh, and our ways of Kedusha, we had to verify everything. And we've identified the problem. The, the problem is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Adam and Chava to do certain things, but he told Adam first, and Adam was supposed to transmit the information to Chava. Okay, he, was, he told Adam first, and Adam was supposed to tell Chava. Adam did what he could, wasn't exactly a perfect job. Chava made it even worse. She added some words, and now we're in trouble. We're still in this world. So sometimes there's a little bit of loss in, loss in translation. And this is part of what actually transpired here. Part of what transpired here, I think it's the biggest part, but nonetheless, kafzchut to the sufrim, to the chachamim that are behind the translation and everything. These are tamidei chachamim. They're not just a... Uh, uh, people that uh, translate things, these are also Talmidei Chachamim that, are, that are, uh, know what they're doing, and sometimes there are certain things that perhaps we may misread, and we always have to correct ourselves. So here we go. We wrote, we saw what the Alakha is in Yalkut Yosef, in Siman 447, regarding foods that contain chametz. Okay? This, uh, this Yalkut Yosef was a, uh, you know, it's a both in Hebrew and in English. Many times I read the English, sometimes I read the Hebrew, depending, sometimes I read both, because sometimes I do find certain uh, translations were a little looser than others, certain translations are more precise. Certain times I actually need the Hebrew to help me with the English. Uh, there are certain words that in my mind, uh, I only know them in Hebrew, and there are certain words that I know only in English. I don't know why my brain works this way, but that's why, Baruch Hashem, usually if I have any books, I typically like to have both Hebrew and English, because typically I like to read both and cross-reference both. In this particular case, when I read this Alakha, I read it in both Hebrew and English because it was so shocking to me, uh, but I missed something. I missed something critical. What did I miss? The... Yakut Yosef, Arabi Tzach Yosef, which also, of course, with his, uh, the help of his father initially, and then he obviously completed the whole, uh, the whole Yakut Yosef. It's a, it's, a, it's a series of books that's a must in every uh, Sephardic household, and quite frankly, every Talmud Chacham that's even not Sephardic should have this series. It is, you'll find it in every respectable Bet Midrash, Yeshiva, you'll find a Yakut Yosef, and Baruch Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, merited the world to have this Yakut Yosef also in English, that every household should have, even if you know that you're not going to be able to read the whole thing at any given time uh, in a near future, it's still good to reference, to know, because sometimes you need an answer and you can't ask a rabbi because it's Shabbat, it's Yom Tov. So it's very good to have this series. Either way, uh, I always recommend it for everybody that, uh, you know, that's starting to do tshuva to start off with, if you can't buy the whole series, buy Ilchot Shabbat. It's three books. And you'll uh, I'll give you a good start with a basic foundation for everything else. And then, of course, grow from there. If you could afford the whole series, it's only a few hundred dollars. Then you buy the whole series. But the point being is, is that this is a must. This is a must, just like having a Mishnah Bura is a must for Ashkenazim. Just like having a Tanya is a must for, for uh, Chabad. This is a must for, for Am Yisrael that's in the English-speaking world. Okay? Now, 
In this uh, Yalkut Yosef, Siman 444, he talks about Here he's talking about how in the uh, in recent years, this is really he's referring to uh, many, many years ago, 20 years ago or so, that it was discovered that cumin spice invariably has some oat seeds mixed in it. Since the two crops are traditionally grown next to one another, and the cumin seeds are almost indistinguishable from the oats kernels. A careful examination of the crop, however, revealed that every sack of cumin seed contained at least some oats that had inadvertently become mixed in it. Okay, so you have a situation where you have two crops growing right next to each other to the extent where every sack of cumin has some of the crop that is chametz. Okay, you have the, uh, 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 the oats the oat seed that is chametz, uh, and that is a serious problem. Okay, now there has been machloket on it over the years by two rishonet letzion. Okay, you have Arav Eliyahu Bakshidoron. Okay, where he uh, brings that uh, uh, despite that this uh, cumin could be used for uh, for Pesach, despite the fact that there could be oats in it, because it becomes nullified. Since the, uh, the oats are uh, a minority, uh, there's obviously uh, significantly more than 60 times more cumin uh, in the sack uh, than there is the, uh, the oats, and therefore it, uh, it is subject to nullification. He was the Rishon Letzion years ago. He was also the Talmud of Rav Ovadia. On the other hand, you have Rav, Shmola, uh, have Rav Sh- uh, Shlomo Moshe Amar, okay, who was also the Rishon Letzion. He, on the other hand, said, no, you cannot uh, consider this a uh, nullification uh, candidate because technically only until it's cooked and you put some water on it does the actual uh, oat kernel uh, become chametz, meaning that if you're using it on Pesach, if you're using it on Pesach, it's becoming chametz on Pesach. So therefore, it's not subject to the nullification that you can use from before Pesach, and therefore, it's not allowed to use cumin. So he was also Rav Ovadia's Talmid. You have two Rishon Elitzion, two head rabbis of Israel, two different sides, and both of them are the Talmidim of Rav Ovadia. And then here he says, the Rav Ovadia looked at this halacha. The Rishon Elitzion, Amaran Rishon Elitzion, Rav Ovadia agreed with the latter, meaning with the stringent opinion of Rav Shlomo Moshe Amal. The stringent opinion after discussing this issue okay so and then he says accordingly it is forbidden to use cumin spice on pesach even if it has rabbinical certification for pesach this is what's written in english i'm reading it for you word for word if you have the yakut yosef ilchot pesach page 126 it's siman 447 you have Accordingly, it is forbidden to use cumin spice on Pesach, even if it has rabbinical certification for Pesach. This is a shocking statement for anyone who doesn't know. Why? In essence, you're saying that whoever is putting kashrut on Pesach, simply you can't rely on them. Why? Because this is, uh, you know, even if it has rabbinical certification, that's it. You can't rely on it. Then it talks about how there is a way to uh, uh, to kosher it. There is a way to kosher it, meaning to use this cumin, uh, where if you actually cook it in liquid before Pesach, if you cook the cumin 
before Pesach, then the food, if it's wet food, then that uh, food that, uh, since it's a subject from, for nullification of 1 to 60, then that cumin is, would be uh, kosher for Pesach, no problem. Okay, even, even if it does actually have the oat kernels. Okay, so there's one thing. Second thing is, is if you just simply wet the cumin and you store it wet, and then you can use it on Pesach itself. Because even if it had a uh, uh, some oat kernel in it, which again, is not a guarantee that it has the oat kernel in it, but even if it had it, since you wet it before Pesach, it allowed it to chametz, it allowed the kernel to, to uh, become, in essence, chametz, but before Pesach and become nullified. And therefore, this is a, uh, 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 once you uh, use it on Pesach, it's already allowed. That's option number two. Option number three, you could also wet it and then freeze, put it in little cubes, you know, the ice cubes, put it in a freezer, and then whenever you need it, you take the little ice cube that's full of cumin on your food, and you nullify it that way. So there's multiple ways of actually nullifying this cumin, even if, if you go with the stringent opinion, right? But again, it's troubling to us that there is a Ravavadya opinion here that is saying, we should be stringent that we should actually rely and not rely on a rabbinical uh, uh, certification here on Pesach. So after we said, and that's what we said, and uh, after we said it, of course, people came and we had to look into it. We had to look into it. So now we looked at the cumin. And interestingly enough, many things in the, uh, in, in, in the Jewish world have cumin in it, have anything in the world have cumin in it. But interestingly enough, it's not just these things that have a little bit of cumin in it alongside a million and a half other things, but also they sell this, okay? Just cumin itself. Now, what's the, what's the, what's the, why did I bring you these examples? Because here you have cumin with the ashgacha of the Bet Yosef, meaning this is ashgacha of the kashrut of Ravavadia. So how could it be? The kashrut for Pesach I'm talking about. How could this cumin have kashrut of if he's saying to be stringent okay adding confusion to confusion so we had to go investigate over the last several days a few of you have asked me questions about this i told you i have to find out for sure before i give you something i can't afford to tell people go ahead it's okay uh and uh just do this do this and it's i can't afford to tell people to eat chametz at the same token i can't just tell people don't eat anything and and, and struggle so we had to go investigate. We contacted a few poskim. We also contacted the kashrut itself to see what is going on, what's happening here with this whole thing. And along the way, we found the problem in this psak. What is the problem? Okay. The problem is, Rabotai Karim, is the fo- as follows. The issue that they brought up, the issue that they brought up, this is something that happened 20 years ago. The translation, on the other hand, was something that took place more recently. Technically, this should make it more reliable. When we called the kashrut, we spoke to the kashrut, we asked them, how do you do this? How do you satisfy both the stringent side and, and everything else? They said, simple. Our kashrut has a, uh, 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 what's called, a, a sp- specific process. Number one, we only buy this cumin from specific countries that do not grow these crops next to each other. That is strategy number one. Strategy number two, we have a uh, a computer system 
that when they go through the uh, the cumin, they have a, a spe- specific lasers that identify if there is any type of oats there, and it's removed. And, sh- and step number three, just to make sure every psak is satisfied, we make sure we wet it, we wet the cumin already at the manufacturer, we cook it, and then we repack, we, we dry it, and then we package it. Meaning that by the time you get it in this package, is 100% kosher for Pesach, before Pesach, after Pesach, during Pesach, you have no problem, you don't have to do anything on your end. But that's only the Ashkacha of the Bet Yosef. What about everybody else? What if you bought something from Costco that has kashrut, but it does not have the kashrut of the Bet Yosef? It has, you bought something from your local uh, store. It has kashrut, it has OU, it has, uh, you know, CRC, whatever it has, but it's cumin. What do you do if you have that? Number one, you could either just buy this, or two, you could do something else, which is what I just said before. You could uh, use the cumin, use the cumin to cook before Pesach on wet food, whatever wet food is, whether even salad is considered wet food. Okay, so just to understand. So, because salad has water in it. Whatever has water or, or uh, uh, in it is a, uh, considered, in essence, a, a wet food or one of the seven uh, liquids is considered wet food. If you cook it before Pesach, you have no problem. Now, if you want to cook during Pesach and you don't have the ability to, be, to buy a bet yourself, okay, but you have a lot of cumin, you want to use it during Pesach, one thing you can do is, like I said, you can actually wet you know a certain amount of the cumin you could uh uh keep it in a jar or you could simply freeze it put it in like an ice box uh, ice uh, crate uh keep it that way or you could simply rely on the sfix fika double doubt what is the double doubt the double doubt of either number one that it may not even be a problem altogether because it's nullified okay like the uh, uh like of uh, bakshi doan says and number two, the other suffix is the fact it may not even have, it may not even have the, uh, uh, the oats kernel altogether. And this is 100% alakhakli correct, meaning you can use your cumin regardless of where you got it from, regardless of where you got it from, before the chag or after the chag, and not have any problem. If you want to be stringent, either do some of the things I told you just now, or buy the Bet Yosef cumin it's, I'm sure they have more than one, uh, one uh, uh, brand of cumin that they sell that's Ashgachah of Bet Yosef. But the point is, buy Bet Yosef, Ashgachah. Now, why do I say all of this, but yet there's an issue with the Alachah itself that, that threw us a curveball? Because regardless of everything I just said, there's still an unanswered question. How could the author, okay, say that even if it has a rabbinical certification for Pesach, you cannot rely on it? Certainly, they're aware that, uh, that the, uh, uh, there's a Bet Yosef. There's a Rabu Vadya Bet Yosef. How could you say? Well, you're saying your own Ashkacha is, is incorrect? So, what do we see here? We see that there's a printer error here. Why do we know this is a printer error? Because when you look at the Hebrew side of things, it doesn't say any of that. Meaning, the, uh, the Alakha in Hebrew does not mention anything, anything whatsoever about if there is a ashkacha, a rabbinical ashkacha for Pesach, you can't rely on it. The Hebrew side, which obviously more reliable than the English side, 
the Hebrew site has no word mentioned about that this is an extra sentence that sentence that says accordingly it's forbidden to use cumin spice on Pesach even if it has rabbinical certification for Pesach you will not find it on the Hebrew Yalkut Yosef we checked multiple uh, uh, copies not just mine we checked the Hebrew only version we checked the English version English Hebrew we checked multiple version this is apparently a printer error of some kind that uh simply is a mistake because if you look at the Hebrew everything else is included except that one line <clears throat> that one line that made the, the kumen uh kumen uh, debate uh, over the last several days so to conclude everything Baruch Hashem Baruch Hashem that HaKadosh Baruch Hu allowed us to learn this halacha more extensively number one number two to clarify the issue and know there there is a difference between the ashkacha, the kashrut ashkacha, not like people think they just put a stamp on something and you know it's okay there is a specific process of ashkacha that's different between one kashrut and another in this particular case especially we see that the ashkacha of the bet yosef is supervising that the kernels are identified with the laser they're being cooked ahead of time wetted ahead of time and so on and so forth and also bought from different places so there is a specific unique process that takes place in order for the cumin to meet all guidelines even the most stringent guidelines but for anyone that does not have the ability to be stringent for whatever reason or another you can still have something to rely on halachically and to use your cumin uh during uh pesach without any problem like i said this pesach is a time where Ravavadya and many many of the poskim said it is a time to be stringent with certain things it's very important to uh, to try to be stringent but nonetheless if a person does not have an ability to do so or it's going to create many major problems in their house then they don't need to it's just you obviously have to understand that there is a uh, a lot of things to do some things you can some things you can't but ultimately we have to be happy on the holiday be happy on the holiday and this leads us to the next point sometimes a person could be the most stringent person in the world but it'll create a uh, a lot of uh misery for everybody else sometimes a person will be clever but clever to the point where he's causing a lot of unhappiness there was a person that was very stingy one time very stingy this is a joke but it's really not a joke it's a joke because it's not a real story but it's not really a joke because unfortunately there are certain people like this where they don't realize where they're crossing the line and some people unfortunately have a sickness a very very uh, serious sickness uh called stinginess stinginess is a spiritual disease no uh no less dangerous than AIDS is for uh for physical uh and uh, there was a guy that was so stingy that he simply could not allow himself or his wife to throw anything out one time there was a uh, a chicken in their fridge that he wanted to eat and then when he came to eat it he saw that this chicken it changed a few colors it's not exactly the chicken that he bought a few weeks ago perhaps it's not for us so he put it back in the fridge the wife saw what he did she opened the fridge oh this is not good oh let me throw it out he said no what are you doing throw it out she said what do you mean it's going to ruin everything else I can't have this in my fridge he goes okay I'll take care of it I'll take care of it so this guy took his chicken went downstairs oh and he ran into one of the poor people in the neighborhood hey here you go I'm going to give you a uh you know some uh, some food for Pesach oh okay and he gives him a chicken the chicken that he wouldn't eat himself the chicken that perhaps uh, arrived at its annual birthday anyway he gives this poor guy the chicken and he comes back home and he says see I found somebody that could appreciate the chicken 
much more than you did. His wife, Miskina, the poor lady, she uh, is living with this guy already for so many years. She's used to his stinginess, but uh, this time she doesn't know what's coming. As you would have it, the guy, the poor guy, he's so poor, he can't really be picky when it comes to food. He sees a chicken, he cooks the chicken, he eats the chicken, and he gets sick, really sick. The, uh, shortly after eating the chicken, the ambulance has to uh, come. They take the guy to the ambulance. This guy sees, oh, what happened, what happened? He sees his friend. Oh, my friend, my, the poor guy. He's going to the hospital. Yeah, yeah, he got, uh, you know, stomach poisoning. The wife is covering her face. Oh, man. And this guy's like, oh, okay, I'm going to come. And he comes to the hospital, and he sees his friend over there. Sees his friend over there. And then he, uh, uh, he said that they tell him you have to leave. And uh, shortly later, he comes home. And only to find out the next day that he died. The guy died. So, of course, now they want to bury him. So the guy says, oh, I'm going to go to the cemetery. I'm going to, you know, have to uh, pay my respects. After they bury him, and he, go, he goes to the, uh, to the shiva of the family and everything, comes back to his wife with a big smile on his face. His wife is about to lose her mind of what happened here over the last few days. And she sees that her husband with a stupid-looking smile on his face. She says to him, why are you you smiling? He says, because after all these years of being married to you, I still realize that you still haven't learned anything. He says, what? I haven't learned anything? What are you talking about? He says, look, you wanted to throw that chicken out. Look how many mitzvot I was able to do. First off, I gave tzedakah to a poor guy. Then I was able to go visit him as a sick, you know, visit the sick. Rabbi Akiva says, you don't visit the sick, it's like you're killing the person. I went and visited him. Now I was able to go to the funeral, pay the respects of burying him, and on top of it, pay his uh, respects to his family, go to the levaya. Look how many mitzvot I did, and you wanted to throw that chicken away. Unfortunately, Rabotai, as funny and as strange as this joke is, there are certain people that are like this. There are certain people that are spiritually sick and do not even realize it. Truth can punch them in the face multiple times and they still think it's meant for somebody else. Unfortunately, there is a reality like this. And that's why instead of going through all of the alachot and everything else, we have to go over a few things that perhaps are going to shock us. They're going to shock us because we will realize that we do not know what happiness actually means when it pertains to the holiday. And I'm not just talking about happiness for Pesach. I'm talking about happiness in every holiday. When people think of happiness, they think of drinking, they think of eating, they think of uh, singing. That's what they think of happiness. But we have to know what Hashem says is happiness. What the Allah says is happiness. Yes, of course, you have to prepare. You have to, uh, this year you have the, uh, the, the holiday. It starts on Friday night. So, of course, you have to uh, light the candle of Friday night candle. You have to uh, do the blessings. Yeah, then after that, you have to do the sedel. Go through the whole sedel. Generally speaking, the, uh, uh, the Agadot today, if you buy them uh, Art Scroll Agadah or, or many other uh, publishing houses, Agadot, give you the instructions. Simply all you need to know is how to read. 
and you'll have all of the instructions of what to do when to do and there's also websites like shabbat.com that you can log on to and you could be a guest somewhere else if you're not comfortable by being by yourself or or you want to have uh, new friends i'm sure that there are plenty of people that are looking to host you shabbat.com is one of those websites that people literally looking for guests they're looking to be fulfill the mitzvah of Abraham Avinu and, and help guests. And that's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing to do. It's a wonderful thing to, to be a, a, a part of. And that's uh, fantastic. But again, is that going to bring happiness? Is the one that's hosting guests really you know, uh, uh, happy? Is he happy? Well, we have to see what does the halacha say about being happy on Pesach. And even more so, what happens if we're not happy? Why do we always insist on knowing the consequence of not being happy or not being this or not being that because when a person knows the price of whatever it is that they're deciding on it helps to make a better decision if a person went into a store and just decided to take everything off the shelves because there was no price next to it and then he showed up at the uh at the uh the cash register and the cash register gives him a price that's astronomically higher than even his net worth is because every product that he picked was you know ten thousand twenty thousand thirty thousand dollars he thought he was buying it for three dollars four dollars it ends up being a hundred fifty thousand dollars of course once he realizes the price he's not going to uh, uh make that same mistake and ins- and put more things on the on the counter same concept when it you know when it's a uh you go into traffic sometimes you have stop signs or yield signs and sometimes people listen sometimes people don't listen but sometimes here at least in america and i'm sure it does in other countries they don't only put a stop sign or a yield sign a highway but they also tell you if you don't listen you could lose your license get arrested get fined 500 meaning they add to the ante they tell you that there is a price to violating this law of the land same concept when it comes to uh cheating whether it's cheating immigration cheating the irs cheating different things there are different commercials that the regulators pay a ton of money on to make sure to let the public know the consequence of violating their laws if you violate the law in a securities business you can lose your license you can go to jail you could do a lot, a lot of bad things can happen uh you know especially if you're in america if you're in Japan or you're in China, it's uh, it's it's if you don't violate the law, then how are you going to invest? I mean, there are very very different laws there. But here in America, you have a certain law, and they tell you the consequence, and they spend money to make sure that you know the consequence. And the same thing goes with everybody else. Everyone that is worth their weight in salt always makes sure that if they have a law, they make sure that people know not only the law but the consequence of violating that law if it's a company if it's a regulator or otherwise if a company is serious about its laws it always tells people these are the law the bylaws of the organization if you have three strikes three laws that you violated one law or this specific law that you uh violated that's it you're uh going to get fired and in some cases we're going to sue you and and and, uh, and go after you but the point is is that to put the weight on things is a standard thing in society needless to say they all learned this from the torah itself as a kadosh baruch Hu himself practically in every single weekly torah portion every parasha a kadosh baruch Hu reminds us reminds us of the consequence not just the crime but what is the consequence of the crime so now when we think of happiness 
especially happiness on the holiday naturally we do not connect being happy is good and unhappy is punishment we think happy i'm like a tzaddik not happy okay so i know it's a uh, i'll try better next time or it's not my fault or that's what we think also when we think of happiness we define happiness as things that are we've heard we've heard happiness is related to food is related to guests is related to wine that's what happiness to people because that's typically how we're happy during the year we're happy when we eat when we drink when we have uh, guests that's typically how people are happy but does God believe in this does God actually say this is what happiness is surely everyone can mention to you even if they just started learning Torah in the last couple of weeks yeah didn't the rabbi say one time that happiness in a uh, you know requires a uh, uh, wine and meat so surely there's no happiness without wine and meat yes you're right but does that mean that that's what happiness is that that's where we have to go into the halacha that's where we have to go into the halacha so Rabotai, we're going to go on a mission to identify what it actually says what it actually says because if we know what it says then we can do what it says if we don't know what it says we're simply living our lives in a, a risky situation because there could be something that we don't know that uh, could mean a whole lot for us a whole lot for us to give you guys some food for thought while we go through the law each one of us knows the story of Akedat Yitzchak Akedat Yitzchak is when Akedosh Baruch Hu told Avraham Avinu Kodesh Kodeshim go and take your son your favorite son Yitzchak and bring him over here as a sacrifice now of course the uh Avraham understood it that way brought his son at 37 years old the one that he waited for for a hundred years and put him as an you know as, as a sacrifice only to hear from okay you passed the test you don't need to kill your son you could uh, replace it with a uh, you know a, a goat needless to say this uh, experience was very very uh, emotional and anyone that read some of the midrashim some of them we, we read during the uh, the high holidays sees the conversation between Avram and his son Yitzchak the whole journey from leaving Ishmael and Eliezer leaving them and the whole conversation from the time they left them all the way to the moment where the actual Akedah was about to take place and the conversation is very moving the conversation is very very emotional where Yitzchak tells his father after he realizes that he is the one that's the sacrifice and that the Satan the Malach HaMavet, is trying to constantly get in their way making the water higher making trying to drown them trying to get in their way to make this not happen because the uh the Satan knew that this is simply the uh, uh uh you know the end of him if we have this uh take place that's it there's never going to be anybody that could say anything that uh, we can't uh, get uh, mercy for due to this akeda so now the satan is trying to get in the way itzhak realizes that he is actually the koban and then he tells after he tells his father abba make sure to tie me like we tie the animals how with the uh, arms and the legs behind my back 
behind my back tied to each other why because if you only if you just tie my arms only separately and my legs separately then perhaps stronger than you I could break through it and I'll hit you last minute because you know I don't want to die so make sure so make that you tie me this way and the Gemara Masechet Shabbat teaches us how do we know uh what the Akedah was and I said because they uh Yitzhak said to time like the animals where uh you are allowed to, to tie uh animal on Shabbat only a certain way you're not allowed to tie the animal this way because then it's torturing it but you can't tie three legs and still allow it to move long story short it's Avinu, the son is telling the father please Abba tie me this way and also please Abba make sure that you tell my Ima tell Sarah my Ima tell her that I love her and because there's not going to be anybody else that's going to be able to uh to console her you know that our only son died that she waited for me for all these years please tell it to mitzvah that we're doing and that I love her a lot and literally any parent any human that reads the midrash the word starts crying literally the first time I ever read this they're crying Ooh, crying it's so emotional and it's it's unbelievable that Yitzhak Avinu is saying all of this and of course throughout this whole time Avram is crying hysterical but they're both doing it they're both doing and they're moving forward with this now if this is not enough after the Akedah, after the whole Akedah, you know, Hashem says, don't kill him, do replace it with the goat. They come back. Where they, uh, eventually when Avraham gets back home, what does he see? Sarai Menu died. Shemishma. Why? When she found out that this was what was taking place, because of course the Satan uh, wanted to make sure that he lets her know that her son is about to die. So he came to her as uh, some, uh, some peasant tell her hey listen you know you realize that your husband just took your uh, son uh to go kill him you realize this as a sacrifice she couldn't believe it she asked one of the giants one of the uh, nephilim she asked him can you see can you see down there you see an old man you see uh, with, with somebody younger and, uh, and the giant says yes i see she says, what are they doing oh i don't see exactly but it looks like the he tied the younger one as a sacrifice and he's about to I guess well it looks like he's about to shecht him so the giant that had for a you know vision to see this tells Sarah this so she in essence is living this while this whole thing is happening now once the whole thing breaks up she doesn't see it because the Satan comes and tells her oh by the way it didn't happen from the happiness from the happiness she got a heart attack and died so now this whole story everything that has happened why did it happen why did it happen what is the connection between this and everything i just said before as far as the lack of pesach because somebody asked me the other day in the stump the rabbi rabbi is avraham Yitzhak, and yaakov gonna come on pesach like we have on uh, on, on sukkot are they gonna come do we have somebody maybe moshe rabbein who's coming to my house on pesach something like that so perhaps maybe this is the connection we go and we dive in we dive into the Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch in the Ilchot Chol HaMoed. Ilchot Chol HaMoed, Siman, Taf, Kuf, Lamed. In the Ilchot Chol HaMoed, it's in Oa Chaim in the Shulchan Aruch. In the, I'm sorry, Taf, Kuf, Chaf, Tet. In Dine Simchat Yom Tov. This is a section of Ilchot Chol HaMoed. But the specific halacha here is Dine Simchat Yom Tov, which is the laws of the happiness 
during Yom Tov. Meaning, this is what the halacha is as far as what is happiness on Yom Tov. So it talks about how a person is supposed to study part of the day, uh, you know, eat and drink and be with his family part of the day. He has to uh, 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 have uh, meat, uh, 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 wine. You know, these are things that make a person happy. But in the middle of the uh, second halacha, where it talks about being happy, it says, A person is obligated, referring to a Jew, is obligated to be happy with a uh, 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 with true goodness in his heart during the holiday. Him, his wife, and his children. And anyone that comes to him. Now, and he's obligated to feed the convert, the orphan, and the widow, along with the rest of the poor. Doesn't say he should, says you have to. Here we see one of the many sources when it comes to the Kimcha de Pischa. It's not a suggestion or a custom, but rather an obligation on us to do, to feed the poor, to help the destitute before the holiday in order to fulfill the mitzvah of happiness. And not just during Pesach, but during all of the holidays. But we need elaboration. So we have to go, and we see in the, Mish- in the Mishnah Bura. The Mishnah Bura paskins the same way. Only difference is that the Mishnah Bura also brings us the Rambam. Chafetz Chaim brings us the Rambam in his Ilchot Shviat Yom Tov. Ilchot Shviat Yom Tov. In the sixth chapter, Alakha number 18. Now, before we go into Alakha number 18, I want to look at Alakha number 20. Because Alakha number 20 is what we most, all of us know. What's Alakha number 20? When a person eats, drinks, and celebrates on the festival, he should not let himself become overly drawn to drinking wine, mirth, levity, saying whoever indulges in these activities more is increasing his observance of the mitzvah of rejoicing for drunkenness profuse mirth and levity are not rejoicing they're frivolity and foolishness and we are not commanded to indulge in frivolity or foolishness but rather in rejoicing that involves the service of the creator of all existence thus the book of deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 47 states because you did not serve your serve god your lord with happiness and a glad heart with an abundance of prosperity this teaches us that service of god involves joy and it's impossible to serve god while in the midst of levity frivolity and drunkenness so here we see that this whole notion of drink you know drinking the wine for the sake of becoming drunk and that's going to make us happy during the holiday is completely wrong 
Yes, you should have a little bit of wine, and during the during Pesach, there's four glasses of wine, but don't drink them like a uh, drunk. You have to drink them at specific times. And also, anyone that's drinking during this, the, the meal itself, you want to have a, uh, 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 something uh, alcoholic, that's fine, but not to the point of getting drunk because you still have an obligation to serve God during this Pesach meal, which it means you have to uh, read the, the, the Megillah, the, the Agadah, you have to uh, sing Hallel. You can't do these things if you're a mess. You can't do these things if you're drunk. So, the uh, unlike the Goim, that celebrate their holidays where it's pretty much whoever is more drunk is the uh, is the happiest uh, notion we do not celebrate holidays this way okay we celebrate holidays where we know that Akadosh Baruch Hu, our god our own, the only god that exists he has a specific recipe for what happiness is and what is happiness in the sixth chapter in the 18th alakhad the, the two preceding one i just read it says when a person eats and drinks in celebration of a holiday he's obligated to feed converts orphans and widows and others who are destitute and poor this is word for word verbatim of what's quoted in the Shulchan Aruch that's where the Shulchan Aruch got it from why because the Rambam brings the uh, rule from the Torah itself, from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 16, verse 14, which says, You shall rejoice on your festival together with your son and your daughter, your male and your female servants, the Levite, the convert, the orphan, and the widow. So the Torah links the happiness one shares with members of one's household with one's generosity in inviting the unfortunate to join in this rejoicing. And then the Rambam continues and says, in contrast a person who locks the gates of his courtyard and eats and drinks with his children and his wife without feeding the poor and the embittered you know people that are struggling is not indulging in rejoicing associated with the mitzvah but rather is one that's rejoicing of his gut meaning a person that does not help the poor the destitute the needy the orphan the widow the convert the ones that don't have one that doesn't help them he is not fulfilling the mitzvah of being happy on holiday because being happy on a holiday means you care about the rest of the nation enough to make sure that they are happy because that is what's bringing you happiness not just eating and eating and drinking if you're just eating and eating and drinking and in essence care less about what everybody else is, is, is happening in their status and it could be your brother your sister your next door neighbor part of your somebody in your community literally does not have enough matzah for the whole family and you're eating your uh 150 roast you my dear friend are only happy filling your gut you're not happy for the holiday you're not fulfilling the mitzvah and that's a problem why is it a problem in regards with such a person listen to this this is alacha alacha this is not a a, a uh, this is not a uh, some type of like uh uh you know a ashkafa ideology this is actual alacha what the rambam is saying in this alacha regards to such a person who does not help the poor does not help the destitute does not help anybody else the verse in Oshea chapter 9 verse 4 is applied to him 
which says their sacrifice will be like the bread of mourners all that partake therefore shall become impure for they kept their bread for themselves alone and this happiness is a disgrace for them says the rambam as implied by the prophet the malachi chapter 2 verse 3 where kadosh baruch Hu himself says on such people i will spread dung on your faces the dung of your festival celebration akadosh baruch Hu himself puts a alacha in the in the minds of am israel the rambam clarifies it for us and tells us the following you may think that as long as i have a nice chandelier and a lot of different types of food and 50 100 300 dollar matzah or something and fancy house new couch everything is good you're happy on pesach wrong why your happiness your happiness is supposed to stem from Klal Israel's happiness those poor those destitute those that are within your reach and today because of the internet the reach is endless the reach is endless there is campaigns everywhere there's the Bezat Hashem campaign I'm sure other people are also doing campaigns there's ways to help the poor locally internationally there are plenty of people struggling a person that cares less about them because he wants to spend and she wants to spend and focus on her own thing the rambam says you have a very serious problem why because all you're doing is satisfying your belly your belly is going to digest this food waste is going to come out of your body and a kadosh who says i'm going to take that waste and throw it in your face if it wasn't written i wouldn't say it because it wouldn't be considered appropriate language but that's what the rambam says and that's what the prophet says i will spread the dung in your faces the dung of your festival celebrations meaning from here we understand that the price of being stingy during pesach is very expensive but we don't know yet what does it mean to help if I just send $30 when I could really afford 30,000 am I fulfilling my mitzvah if I send a thousand a thousand but I could really afford 30,000 is that am I still doing okay if I sent 10,000 but in reality I could afford a million am I fulfilling the mitzvah because we have yet to hear an exact amount unlike the uh, mitzvah in Purim, where it tells us the machatzita shekel and the, the mishloach manot and all of that stuff. We have specific amounts. Here, we don't have an amount. We don't have an amount, Abutai. All we're told so far is that we're supposed to create happiness. Happiness. Kimcha de Pischa is supposed to create happiness in the poor the destitute the orphan the widow the people that are struggling there was a time where Rabbi Israel Misalant made sure that each year he would have uh, would make matzah and regardless of how busy he was he would always stand by there in the matzah right next to where they're making the dough 
year after year, all of the students are there, they're making the matzah, and Rabbi Yisrael Misalan, the Gdola Dor, make sure that he's there at all times. Many times the students asked him, Kvodarav, you don't need to be here, we'll take care of everything. He said, no, 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 I'll be here. I'll be here. Years passed and he's still there. No one really understood. What is he doing there? I mean, he's, he's, he's older already. He doesn't need to be here. We already know the halachot. And several times the students asked him, Kvodarav, we'll take care of everything. We, we, tell us whatever stringency you want us to do, we'll do. No, 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 I have to be here. A year before Rabbi Islami Salant left this world, one of his Talmidim told him, Kvodarav, please, you're already older. It's difficult for you. I promise you, any stringency that you have, any custom you have, anything you have, I will do everything you say. Please, Kvodarav, don't burden yourself and come again. Let us do it. Rabbi Islami Salant says to him, okay, I want you to make sure that you ensure that no one pressures the lady that is making the dough. You mean the lady that's been with us for all these years? Yes. Make sure nobody pressures her. He says, why for the love? He says, for years she's been with us and for years she's been a widow. And I wanted to make sure that nobody pressures this widow. All of the other sections where they're making matzah, there's a lot of pressure and everything, that's no problem. But on this widow, don't pressure her even for a second. Let her take her time, whatever she does, good. Why? Because even if you pressure and you get still kosher matzah, that matzah is going to be full of blood. Blood of the, orf- blood of the widow that's suffering. So it's a kosher matzah, but it's full of blood. So I wanted to make sure for all these years, our matzah is kosher both spiritually and physically. Here we see Chachamim took special care to make sure that the people that are suffering don't suffer any more than what HaKadosh Baruch Hu already decreed. During this time, people typically give something. The question is, is everybody giving what they're supposed to be giving because we're told according to the halacha that we're supposed to give enough to make somewhat make the destitute make the, the the struggling people make the poor make the orphan make the convert the ones that don't have make them happy there was a rich man that came to the shiva where Rav Tzionava Shaul was and he said, Kvodarav, I want to do Kimcha de Pischa for all the Avrichim. The Rav says, no problem, sure. So the guy comes back with a truck. And in the truck, he comes out and he gives each one of the Avrichim a box of matzah, a bottle of wine, and $100 in cash. Each Avrich gets it. The guy is gloating, happy. Comes to Rav Tzion Abashor and says, No, Kvadarav, keep Chadet Pisra or what? Rav Tzion Abashor doesn't acknowledge, doesn't respond. The guy, he wants, you know, he's doing this partly for the mitzvah, partly because of the mitzvah of getting kavod. <laughs> he says, No, Kvadarav, keep Chadet Pisra, right? It's good, right? It's good what we did. 
Each one. Look, they got matzah, whole box of matzah, a wine, and $100 for the love. I made sure they had some money in their pocket. It's good, right, for the love? He's insisting, he's pushing. He wants the rabbi to give him kavod. Arav Tzion Abba Shaul, who's a Ishemet, cannot lie for even a second, because the Emet is engraved in his heart. And he looks at this rich man, he says, that's what you call Kimcha de Pischa? That's what you call Kimcha de Pischa? Maybe it's a mitzvah, you, you, you're doing some kindness, some tzedakah, but Kimcha de Pischa, you're calling this? Kimcha de Pischa is an obligation to make people happy. How are they going to be happy with one box, of ma- one box of matzah? The guy, each one of them has six, seven, eight, nine, ten kids. That box of matzah may be enough for him alone. You call Kimcha de Pischa one bottle of wine? What about the rest of the family? What are they going to drink? Water? What are they going to drink? With, the, with, the, with the one bottle of wine. Each time you take a uh, drink, you have four cups, it's a uh, three ounces minimum. That means that an average person has to drink 12 ounces in a seder. 12 ounces in one seder, and if he's the one, if he's the father, which is one of these Avrahim, he has to drink minimum, minimum 15 ounces. Minimum. That's already an average bottle is 24 ounces, meaning that the bottle is barely, is, is barely enough for him. It's not enough for two people. You think he's going to be happy with the bottle? Wait, what are you going to do with the $100? Maybe he's going to be able to afford another bottle of wine and, uh, and, and some more matzah. That's it. You want to say it's taka, it's going to be good for you and some... Okay, no problem. But don't say it's kimcha uh, de pischa that you're fulfilling mitzvah of making the poor... Tzadikim uh, over here, they're learning Torah day and night, happy. Let's not uh, exaggerate. People fool themselves, thinking that if I give 30, 50, 100, 200, when I could afford 10, 20, 30, 50 times more, 100 times more, I'm doing good. Unfortunately, Rabotai, it's not the case. It's not the case. The obligation that we have during this hug and during all Chagim, is to make sure that Kol Israel, Aravim Zelaze, all of us, are responsible for each other. One of the greatest things that I see being involved with so many people in so many different ways is how many people are getting closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But another thing that I see that's beautiful is how many people want to become Jewish. How many people love being Jewish, but yet we have certain people that don't actually know what it means to be Jewish on both ends. Some people think that being Jewish, it means that you wear certain clothes and you celebrate certain holidays and that means being Jewish. Some people think that if you tell everybody that's doing the wrong thing, that they're doing the wrong thing, that means being Jewish. Really the, the, the most important thing, the most important thing about being Jewish is to care about everybody else. If they're making mistakes, you're rebuking them because you care, not because you want to tell them what to do. If they're doing good, you're giving them compliments, you're giving them chizuk because you care for them to continue doing what they're doing. If they don't know, then you tell them what they don't know because you care that they're missing some information that could make a whole lot of difference in their life. If they do not have the ability to fulfill something because they're poor, they're, they're sad, they're depressed, you do it not because you have this extra ability or because you're such a good speaker or because you're so rich or because you're so this, because you're that. You're doing it because you care. Because we're all one family. 
But when a person doesn't care about anybody but their own belly, what ends up happening is that they can miss the most important part of Judaism. Arav Ovadia went house to house to go collect money for Kimcha de Pischa. In those days, there was no internet. In those days, you had to go house to house collecting money to help the poor people, even if you yourself were poor. Ravavadya was already known, recognized, but yet made sure to fulfill the mitzvah of going to ask people to help, help their brothers. And he went to one rich guy. And this rich guy was one of these rich people that's like the snake. The snake who is so stingy that he refuses to eat sand. What's the sand? Zohar Kadosh says that Rabbi Eliezer Ben Rabbi Shimon asks his father, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Abba, how come the snake, since he's already cursed, that everything is going to taste like dust to him, why doesn't he just eat dust? Why is he chasing after the rat? He's chasing after the lizard. He's chasing after all of these animals. Why? If everything, if it's a rat, if it's a cat, if it's a dog, if it's a mouse, if it all tastes like dust, why don't he just eat the dust? Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Kodesh Kodeshim, says to his son that's because that that snake he's the richest but he's also the stingiest and he's so stingy that he refuses to eat the dust because he's scared he's not going to have enough dust so he'd rather go eat somebody else's food because the cat eats the mouse so he eats the cat's food the eagles eat uh, the rabbit, so he eats their eagle's food. He eats everybody else's food. He doesn't want to eat his own food. He's scared to run out of sand. Some people are so sick, they have so much, but they're scared they're going to run out. Little do they know that there are people that literally, literally would say halal if they had even 1% of 1% of what they have. Rabbi Vadya went to this rich guy and told him, please help. There's poor people here. He says, Kvodarav, I respect you, but I also respect whoever works. These people want food, let them go to work. I work for my money, didn't grow on trees, not giving. Havadya pleaded with him, please, you have more than enough, just help a little bit. Just You, you have the ability to help people. Kvodarav, thank you, but no thank you. Of course, Havadya was very saddened by this this Jew that cared less about anybody but his own belly. And he went on his way. The next day, Shachrit, the same Jew, the same rich Jew, walks into the synagogue of Rav Ovadia looking disheveled, like he hasn't slept in weeks. Looking for Rav Ovadia, waiting for the right moment, and says to the Rav, for the Rav, please, Take away the curse. Ravadya says, what curse? I didn't curse you. No, no, Kvadarav, you cursed me. Please, you cursed me because I didn't give, so please take off the curse. Ravadya says, I didn't curse you. What are you talking about? He says, Rabbi, listen. I made sure to prepare my house to have a very elaborate Leila Sedil. I made sure the house was pristine. I made sure I had the most elaborate food the best meat, the best chicken, the best this, the best that, everything splendid, everything beautiful, brand new 
dishes, brand new everything, golden uh, uh, utensils. And we had everything prepared ahead of time. And I made sure that it's beautiful because my kids, my kids, they come and they're not exactly so uh, connected to the Torah. So I figured let's make the holiday beautiful for them. And they'll like the Torah. So they didn't want to go with me to synagogue. And I went to synagogue by myself. And when I came home, instead of finding my sons, you know, perhaps they're praying at home a little bit or at least respecting the house, that's a holiday house, I see my two sons playing cards. And I got angry with this. I told them, no, come on, guys, playing cards right now. Chag. Yalla, finish. Let's go. Let's eat. Abba, wait. What do you mean, wait? We're in the middle of a game. Wait till we finish. Now I was already angry to see them playing. Instead of coming to synagogue, they're playing cards. Now they had the chutzpah to tell me, wait. I got so upset. I came over to them. I took whatever they had and I flipped the table over them. All of their cards. My two grown sons. My two grown sons that I took care of their whole life. Took me. Lifted me. And threw me out of my own house and locked the door. And the whole night, I'm knocking on the door, crying hysterical, begging them to let me back in, and they wouldn't. I've been outside of my house the whole night, and I realize it's because, Rabbi, you cursed me. Ravavadya says to him, I did not curse you. What I told you is, Akadosh Bahu says, if you make mine happy, I will make yours happy. You chose not to make Akadosh Baruch Hu's uh, uh, children happy, so of course you're not going to have happy either. It's not a curse. It's a promise from Hashem. It's a promise from Hashem. Now, Rabotai, we have the Zohar Kadosh. The Zohar Kadosh is going to elaborate one of the scariest things that an average person simply will not realize this is, could even be a reality when they realize this is the perspective of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Zohar HaKadosh in the Akdama, the preface of the Zohar in a... Um, Siman Yud, an Akdama, Akdama Yud, Amud Bet. Patach Rabbi Shimon. Patach Rabbi Shimon means that this is from Rabbi Shimon by Yochai himself. Because many of the things are also from other Chachamim that Rabbi Shimon quoted. But here we have Rabbi Shimon himself bringing this. Kol mi sheshamach be'otam ha'mu'adim. ולא נותן חלק לקדוש ברוך הוא, אותו רע עין, שטן שונא אותו, ומקטרג עליו ומסלקו מהעולם. A person that was happy and during the holidays, celebrated during the holidays, without giving his share to הקדוש ברוך הוא, such a person, the רע עין, Satan hates him and prosecutes against him 
until he takes him away from the world. What is Ra'ain? Ra'ain is another name for the Satan. It's symbolic of the 400 powers of Tuma the Satan has. The Satan, Khamim say he has 400 powers of impurity. And the, uh, he is a, uh, uh, it's symbolized by the letter Taf. Taf is 400. And if you spell, let's say, for example, the word Taf, the letter Taf, you actually spell it out. It's, uh, it's uh, Taf uh, Fei, uh, which equals 480. So that's his wife. The 480 is equivalent to the, the wife of the Satan. Uh, the gematria of the, of the uh, uh, wife of the Satan, but uh, um, the Ra'ain, Ra'ain, if you do the gematria of it, is 400. And that's, uh, in essence, a, uh, the, the 400 powers. So here, in essence, the Zohar is saying that a person that does not give his share to HaKadosh Baruch Hu during the celebration of the holidays, the Satan shows up and attacks him with all 400 powers of impurity, meaning... He comes at him full force until he removes the person from the world. Meaning that this is such a strong attack from the Satan that he simply does not let go. You know, there are certain times where the Satan, he bothers you, then he leaves, he bothers somebody else, then he comes back, he comes to you on Shabbat, annoys you for a couple of hours, then he leaves, and then the rest of your Shabbat is good, but then he comes back on Monday, and he annoys you for a couple of hours, and then he leaves, and he comes back to you at night on a Wednesday, and he leaves, and so on and so forth. Here, it's different. Here the Zohar Kadosh says, no, if a person does not give his share to HaKadosh Baruch during the time of celebration, then the Satan comes and attacks him and prosecutes against him until he removes him from the world. And how many troubles upon troubles surround this person? What is this? Okay, so there's a lot of troubles. So what is this uh, uh, section that we have to give to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Chelek HaKadosh Baruch Hu L'sameach Aniim the part of HaKadosh Baruch Hu says the Zohar HaKadosh is to make, gladden the poor as much as he can do. Here we see something very, very important where the Zohar says not only what is the share to give to Hashem, in essence to give to the to poor, but also how much to give to the poor. Which is, it doesn't say he gives whatever you want, but rather whatever the person can, which is a world of difference. Whatever you want, maybe $10. Whatever you can, maybe $10 million. So here, the, the, the prosecution could even be against the person that actually gave to the poor, but not as much as he can. Biglal Shakadosh Baruch Hu, Bayamim Elu, says because during this time Akadosh Baruch Hu looks at his at the poor people because they, they are his tools he uses them he uses the the poor people the destitute in the world for different things and he sees that they have nothing to be happy about because nobody is helping them. 
and he cries over them to the extent where he separates himself from the world goes higher and he wants to destroy the entire world due to this unhappiness that the poor people have because no one gave them enough to gladden them who comes to him at that time come to him the tzadikim and Shamaim, the Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, they come to him, said, creator of the world, master of the world, you're merciful, that's what you're called. Have mercy on your children. Because you created this, uh, you, uh, you created this world. So, oh, so Hashem says to them, Amar laem, he says to them what what you want me to have mercy on them i created this world just for the sake of people doing kindness to each other just like it's written in teilim am is supposed to do chesed Teilim in uh, chapter uh, 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 eighty-nine says that uh, that due to the uh, kindness, uh, the world is uh, exists. So this uh, consoling of the uh, of the uh, tzaddikim doesn't work. They come, they see a kadosh baruch crying over the over the poor and destitute that no one's helping them. They're saying, yeah, but have some mercy on your kids. He says, what mercy? I only created this world with all of them in there so everybody helps them. And I only created the other one to be able to help them. And you want me to, to this is the whole point of the world. If they're not going to do it, what's the point? So it doesn't work. Then what happens? Then the uh, the angels, the higher angels come to him. So the angels come to him and says, You're right, okay, Hashem, you're right. This person that ate and drank during the holiday and he can do a lot more than what he's doing to help uh, the, the poor people and do kindness by them and he didn't do it okay so punish him punish him why do you have to punish everybody else have the uh you know the prosecutor that came to you with this uh with this case go ahead, deal with him alone why everybody Who's greater? It's saying who's greater than uh, in the world, in history, than Avraham Avinu, who did kindness to all of the creatures of the world. So Kadosh Baruch Hu in essence given him an example. But yeah, but he, when he did, did the celebration. What what's written? This is in Bereshit. Vayas Avraham Ishte Gadol Bayom Agamal Et Yitzchak. 
So Avraham, it says that, uh, you know, when the uh, the boy was born and it was time for Vigmal, is Yud Gimel Mal, it's symbolic of the Brit Milah, when uh, Yitzchak was born and he was eight days old, Avraham had a big celebration, a big celebration that his son is eight days old and he's going to be the first person in history to do a Brit Milah at eight days old. So now, of course, there was a bunch of Reshaim out there that thought, nah, it's really not Avraham's son, it's Avimelech, because he kidnapped Sarah for a little bit, and everybody had something stupid to say. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu made many miracles to make sure that, that everybody knows that this Yitzchak is indeed Avraham and Sarah's uh, son. He changed uh, Yitzchak's face to look exactly like Avraham, and also he, uh, uh, miraculously he made uh, Sarah able to breastfeed all of the neighborhood's kids. Not only was everybody that was uh, uh, barren, not able to, that wasn't able to have kids, now was able to have kids, and they all had kids at the same time. And Sarah was the uh, was able to breastfeed all of them. So to celebrate all of this, Avraham Avinu did a big celebration. He did a big celebration. So he called all of the uh, leaders of the generation to come to this festive uh, celebration. And we know, we learned that from uh, in every festive meal, every celebration, the same prosecutor, the Yetzirah, the Satan, goes and uh, looks for excuses to prosecute. It says the Yetzara comes to the door to see if they're, uh, they're not only celebrating to satiate themselves, to celebrate themselves and their family and their guests, but also that they made sure to take care of the poor people too. If they took care of both, he's not allowed to enter, he leaves. He leaves. Yetzirah is not allowed to enter a place where the person takes care of the poor and the uh, uh, and the rich uh, alike. Meaning himself and others, and but especially the poor. He's not allowed to enter a place like that. But if he sees that this person is not taking care of the poor, he enters the place. And he looks for different things to prosecute against them, to bring up the Shemaim. To cause problems. So uh, because Avram invited all of the uh, you know the, the leaders of the generation to a celebration, so all you know the uh, Satan came and was dressed up as a poor person. And nobody was able to pay attention to him. Why? Avram was serving all of the kings uh, and, and leaders that, were, that he was hosting. And Sarah was busy breastfeeding all the babies. Because no, people didn't really believe that she's the one. That uh, that actually uh, gave birth. So to prove everybody, do a big kiddushem. She breastfed all the kids. I'm not showing supernatural. So both Avraham and Sarah were too busy, and this poor person, which is really the Satan, 
Nobody was able to take care of him. Mishum kach. So it's uh, so it says. Mishum kach. Eviu et bnei imam v'natlau tam sarak. Okay, so she yeah, she breastfed all the kids, and then it says. Uh, So nobody was able to help the poor person. Nobody was helping him. He was, you know, the poor person, nobody helped. Went up to Shemaim and says to Hashem, Hashem, you are uh, the creator of, of the world. And uh, you say that uh, Avram is your lover, but he just had a celebratory feast, and he did not give anything to uh, uh, to you during this meal, and not to the uh, poor, and he did not even bring a koban, even a uh, a dove, for your sake, nothing. And then ve'od amra sarav so it says, and also remember that uh, Sarah didn't even believe that she was going to be able to have a baby. tried defending Avram. Who else in the world is like Avram? So then, conclusion, the scary, scary conclusion. The Yetzirah brought the case, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not have enough to defend it, meaning that he had enough to defend to keep him alive, but not without severe damage. What's the damage? HaKadosh Baruch Hu, at that moment, when uh, de- uh, decided, decreed, that, uh, that that celebration went you know, upside down, Furthermore, Kadosh Baruch Hu decreed that Avraham will bring Yitzchak as a sacrifice. We'll do the Akedah. And uh, Sarai Menu is going to uh, also getting punished to, uh, to die early due to this Akedah. All because they did not take care of the poor during this festive Kiddush Hashem meal. During this Kiddush Hashem meal, they forgot to take care of the poor. Now, think here for a second. Who is Avram? Who is Avram? Avram Avinu, he is known as the ultimate chesed. His house had four entrances just to make sure that whoever saw his house knew that this, wherever he's coming from, whichever direction he could come in. He hosted everybody every day, all year round. Right after he did the Brit Milah on the third day, the worst day in the world, where there's a lot of pain after Brit Milah, he sees three people he thinks are just a bunch of Arabs. He doesn't think they're angels, doesn't think they're rich people, doesn't think they're anybody good. He sees three people. He runs after them, begs them to be his guests. This very same Avraham that did mitzvot 24 hours a day, he was in the middle of a conversation with Akadosh Baruch Hu. He left Akadosh Baruch Hu just to go do kindness. Who leaves HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Him, because he knew that although HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves him and wants to talk to him, HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves him enough to want him to do his will, which is what? 
to go help do kindness, go do his mitzvot. Avraham literally got to the ultimate wisdom, ultimate wisdom, ultimate kindness, ultimate love, unbelievable. Yes, everything you did is good, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Everything you did is good, but today you messed up. In his level, he messed up. What? That celebration? Forgot a little bit. Forgot a little bit. And if it wasn't, we wouldn't be allowed to say such a thing. You forgot to take care of the poor. And because of that, in his level, HaKadosh Baruch Hu decreed Shem Yishmo V'yatziv. HaKadosh Baruch Hu decreed that Avraham has to bring his son, the very same son he's celebrating, the Brit Milav, he's decreeing for him to go bring him as a sacrifice. For him to cry bitter tears over him, that he's about to slaughter him. For him to already visualize the whole thing happening and his wife not being able to ever see her one and only son ever again. That son growing up just to learn that he's going to die as a sacrifice without really knowing the reason. That mother that waited 90 years to have a son is going to lose it. The anguish of the Akedah is literally incomprehensible. Hence the reason why it is a sacrifice that all of Am Yisrael benefits from. To this day. Why was, what was the reason behind all of it? The very same Baal Chesed Avraham Avinu forgot during the festive meal of Kiddush Hashem to help the poor people. Now of course none of us are even the dust under the dust below the feet of Avraham Avinu. But from here, we learn the significance of helping the poor, number one. Number two, that a Kadosh Baruch Hu's definition of happiness is worlds apart from our definition of happiness. While we may think that happiness is filling up our bellies to get bigger and bigger by the second, to get the best wine, to get the best food, to have the biggest table and the nicest chandelier and the nicest plate, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's definition of happiness during the festive days, during any festivity, is to help Am Yisrael, to help the destitute, to give what He gave us, to give a part of it to Him. What's to Him? To His tools. What's His tools? The poor, the destitute, the orphan, the widow, the, the convert, the people that do not have. The people that do not have, that's his tools in the world. When we only think of our meal, our good, and we're going to spend four, five, ten thousand dollars on, on our meal, or twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars on some vacation. And, but our kimcha de pischa, you know, a donation is $100 or $500, and you see how disproportionate it is. Akadosh Baruch Hu says, you have a problem. Why do you have a problem? Because I said, give, give to me. But he didn't say, give to me $30. He didn't say $500. What did he say? Kepi mashiachol. The Zohar could have easily said, which means to, to, to give whatever he wants. Give staka, give a dollar, give $50, give $500, whatever you want. It doesn't say that. It says, whatever you can, 
Now we're not talking about people that lie. We're talking about a Kadosh Bahud that knows exactly what every single one of us can do. And when a person does not do what they can do, but instead does what they want to do, they may have themselves a very difficult problem. Why? Because Akadosh Baruch Hu says this is the holiday we're supposed to celebrate as a nation. How can you call yourself part of a nation when you don't care about the rest of the nation that's outside of your house? Oh, but I don't know him. You don't know Moshe Rabbeinu. You don't know Rabbam. You don't know Rabbi Akiva. What do you mean you don't know? It doesn't make a difference you know you don't know. One of the people contacted me. One of the tzaddikim says, thank you, thank you. I said, please, between you and I, we both know you're helping me more than I'm helping you. So please stop saying the thank you. Between you and I, we both know this is a joke. You're saying thank you to me. What thank you? You're helping me. So hopefully, maybe I'll have a merit in Shemaim. Maybe. Maybe I'll have a merit in Shemaim. That's, that's what you're helping me. You think I'm helping you? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to give you anyway. What are you saying thank you? Thank you, okay. It's good for you to fill mitzvah of akarat atov, of gratitude, but don't think for a second that I'm, uh, I really need this thank you. In reality, thank you. Why? You gave me the opportunity. You gave me the opportunity to fill the will of Hashem. Which is what? To give to His. To give to His. When a person looks at things from the right perspective, everything changes. Why? All of a sudden, I'm not so concerned about the golden plates. All of a sudden, I'm not so concerned about the chandelier. I'm not so concerned about what kind of table cover. Yeah, it's all important, but not as important as what we just learned. Because if a person does not have the greatest chandelier or the most golden plates or the, 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 the most delicious roast, it doesn't say all of these horrific things will happen to that person but it does say that if a person cares only about himself on the other hand Rav Ephraim says we learn that a Kadosh Baruch Hu's perspective is so different from us in regards to this that we can see inside the Torah how even somebody that's not a good person that does the will of Hashem HaKadosh Baruch Hu uplifts him to a level that he doesn't even belong to, meaning a much higher level. There's a few examples of this. Nebuchadnezzar Rasha, Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the Bet HaMikdash, caused an endless amount of suffering to Am Yisrael, despite the fact that he is either the son or the grandson of Shlomo HaMelech, according to Chachamim, he was either the son or the grandson of Shlomo HaMelech. Certainly he was Jewish himself, but he was the king of Babel and caused an endless amount of damage and suffering to Am Yisrael. Endless. On top of that, he was a homosexual, filthy, rapist, disgusting human being. Yet, this filth, disgrace of a human being is being given a description like Moshe Rabbeinu, like Mashiach Tzitkenu, like David Melech. Where? Book of Jeremiah. Chapter 25. Verse number 6. Verse number 9. And it's also mentioned somewhere else too. It says, 
ולקחתי את כל משפחות צפון נאום אדוני ואל נבוכנצר מלך בבל עבדי והביאותים על הארץ הזאת ועל יושביה ועל כל הגויים האלה. Here הקדוש ברוך הוא says Behold I am sending and will take all the families of the north the word of Hashem and I'm sending to Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon my servant and I shall bring them upon this land and upon its inhabitants in essence he's unfortunately promising a disaster coming to Am Yisrael at that time that the destruction is coming from Babylon but what's critical here in this verse is that Akadosh Baruch calls Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon my servant meaning this Rasha that is about to destroy the Bet HaMikdash he's my servant he's my servant why because I want him to kill Am Yisrael no because he's doing my will he's doing my will this Nebuchadnezzar was supposed to die supposed to get a horrible decree the Prophet Daniel told him to give a bunch of staka to, to poor people and that gave him more power this Nebuchadnezzar was sent by Kadosh Baruch Hu to go punish his children and he did it he's called a Kadosh Baruch Hu servant Hashem Yishmael, for this time if this Rasha could be called Kadosh Bahu's servant for doing the will of Hashem, which brings disaster to Hashem's children. Needless to say, do Hashem's children themselves could get to a point of being called Hashem's servants, like Moshe Rabbeinu, like David Amelech, like the Mashiach is called Hashem's servant. The average person today, the average Jew in Yeshiva, the average Jew that goes to shul at, in the morning, the average Jew that keeps Shabbat, the average Jew that's celebrating Pesach, could also be called a Kadosh Baruch servant if he simply does the will of Hashem. Sometimes the will of Hashem comes to a person naturally. Sometimes it's against his nature. And it's those times that a Kadosh Baruch wants it most. It's those times that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants it most. Rav Biederman Shichyeh once told a story where he said that there was a, a story years ago where the, uh, there was a death, a death in the community and of course the Christians blamed the Jews and they said uh, this, uh, they pinned it on one Jew. One religious Jew didn't do anything. And the Jews, of course, said, no, he didn't. He was a shul, he was this, but they wouldn't take any alibi. So one of the uh, people in the Kilah says, why don't we take some, some dogs to go find, to go find the, uh, the weapon, to go find the perpetrator, to go find, to go do the, help the investigation and see if it's really the Jew. So they used some dogs and through the, uh, the uh, natural instincts of the dogs, these dogs were able to identify the weapon, identify the killer, identify everything and confirm that not only is it not a Jew, but it was actually a Christian that was a murderer of his own brothers that were Christians. 
So now one of the people in the kila came to the rabbi and says, uh, these dogs, these dogs, uh, they just saved the Jewish life. They just saved the Jewish life, these dogs. They must have a share in the world to come. What kind of share do these dogs have in heaven, Kvodarav? In front of the entire Keilah, the rabbi says to him, nothing. The dogs will get nothing. Of course, everybody's shocked. The dogs just saved the Jewish life. Identified the murderer. Surely they should go to heaven or something. But the rabbi, that's a big tzaddik, says, no, they get nothing. Why? Because they're simply following their instinct. You do not get rewarded for doing what you were programmed to do. If you write the greatest book in the world that has all of the chidushim of the Torah in it, on Microsoft Word or on Google uh, uh, WordPress, Google doesn't get any merits for it. Microsoft doesn't get any merits for it. Why? That's what the program is supposed to do. That's what the program is supposed to do. If a certain mitzvah comes to you naturally, to the point where it's easy for you to wake up in the morning and say, Modeani. It's easy for you. That's not exactly what your tikkun is. If it's easy for you to give $10, that's not exactly what your tikkun is. What Hashem wants? He wants more. He wants more. He wants you to overcome what you were programmed to do. He wants you to overcome what's easy for you to do. It's easy for you to give 10, give 20, give 500, give 1,000, give what you can. Give what you can afford to give. Give what you can, not, not what you want. Do what you can, not what you want. Why? HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants more. He wants us to give more. When we give more, we not only show that we believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but we also believe, we show HaKadosh Baruch Hu that we are His. During this Shabbat, I read Tehilim. It's part of the prayer. And something flew at me. And the Mizmol Letoda. This is Psalm 100. It's part of Kabbalat Shabbat. And it jumped at me more than ever before. I've read Psalm 100 a few times in my life. But for the first time, I saw something that was a little different. We say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Mizmor Letoda, Psalm of Thanksgiving, Ariu Adonai Kol Aretz, Call out to Hashem, all of the earth, Ivdu it Adonai Besimcha, Serve Hashem joyfully, Bolefanav Birnana, Come before Him in a song, Du ki Adonai Hu Elohim, Know that Hashem, He is God, He made us, and we are His. Now the Tehilim continues a little bit more. His nation and the sheep, His pasture. Bo Sharav come to, uh, into His gates with uh, with thanksgiving, His courts, with praise. Thank Him. Bless his name. For good is Hashem forever. is his kindness. To all generations, it is his faithfulness. 
This is the end of the Tehillim, but what stood at me, what jumped at me, what's literally been in my mind is He is God that made us and we are His. Now, when you look at it and you pronounce the word Lo, Lo can mean His, we're his, but law can mean no, not us. Every single day, a person can read a mizmole toda. Thank you to Hashem. Every single day, a person has a reason to say thank you to Hashem. This holiday is coming up in a few days. Everybody's stressed out about something. Have we taken the time to think why are we doing all of this? Are we doing this because lo anachnu? Because we're his and therefore we want to do what he says, what he wants, because what he wants is what I want, even if I don't know, even if I don't understand, even if it doesn't come naturally to me. Because I want to be his. That's all I want. I don't want any reward. I don't want any presents. I don't want nothing. I just want to be his. That's it. I want to be used as something that has any significance in the world that he can use me in any way. If he can use me as something like a picture on the wall, he can use me as something to step on, he can use me as something to help somebody, whatever he can use, I just want to be his. Or maybe, no, 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 not me, not me. I just want to, you know, I want to have the holiday and I'll have a good time, but, uh, you know, take it easy. You know, don't, don't push too much. I'm going to have my good time and enjoy this world. Whatever makes my belly a little bigger, whatever makes my house a little bigger, everything bigger, bigger, bigger. For me, yeah, those tzaddik, that's for tzaddikim. To do all that stuff, that's for tzaddikim. That's not for me. Is it or lo'anachnu? Is it, are we his? Or no, not for me. This is one of the things that a person has to think about. If we're preparing for the holiday, because because we're his, everything we're doing should be with the greatest glamour in the world, the greatest effort in the world. But for his sake, and his sake alone, I'm going to give because it's his. I'm going to cook because it's his. I'm going to make pretty because it's his. Not to show off to the neighbors and to the guests and to... No, I'm not cleaning so everybody thinks that I have a clean house. I'm not cooking so everybody likes my food. I'm not doing any of this stuff to impress anybody. I'm doing it because of him and him alone. And therefore, my interest, my idea, my anything is inconsequential. If you tell me there are people that are also his and they don't have the ability to celebrate that, I'm the first in line. To help them because if I'm his and they're his we're part of the same thing 
There's no difference between us. But if I'm me, and I'm not part of this, then of course, I'll just take care of what fits for me, and what's good for me, and let everybody else take care of themselves. Why? Because the Yetzirah says to me, No, what, are you going to solve the problems of the world? He's always going to say that. No, what, are you going to learn the whole Torah? He's always going to say that. No, what, are you going to do all this and that? Who are you at the end? You're right, I'm nothing. But I didn't say that I was something. I just said, I'm his. And if he gave me something that I can do, I'm going to do it. He gave me eyes, I can read. He gave me a mouth, I can speak Torah. He gave me a pocket that has some money in it, I can give. Not because of me or I'm anything, but because I'm His. And that's the only reason. When a person tries to align themselves with that type of thought process, giving, doing the will of Hashem becomes natural. Because lo anachnu. And we want to be lo anachnu. We want to be His. We like to be His. We celebrate being His. Because we know there's nothing better in the world than being His. Bezot Hashem, this too, will give us the chizuk that we need to take advantage of the last several days before Pesach. To reprogram our minds and start thinking from that perspective that we're doing it because we want to be part of him we want to be his and therefore all of these things that typically stress people out what am I gonna wear how's the foods gonna taste all of these other things they don't become as important why we're simply happy to do everything we possibly can because we're doing everything we can and if we're doing everything we can certainly we're showing that we are his thank you for learning with me and rediscovering what's the real purpose of celebrating Pesach and every single Yom Tov and Be'ezot Hashem every Shabbat too ברוך אדוני לעולם, אמן ואמן. שלום וברכה חברים יקרים, the Pesach is among us, of course everyone understands the dire situation in the world, but from our perspective the most uh, tragic situation right now is that we have tens and tens of millions of dollars going to foreign countries to help uh, some people that may or may not be uh, uh, our friends and our brothers, may or may not be Jewish, while our own brothers that are, you know, verified our brothers in our backyard, in, in, in Eretz Yisrael, in the Frum communities, in Bnei Brak, in Tel Zion, in Yerushalayim, in Netanya, and in, in, in literally every part of Eretz Yisrael are struggling uh, to make uh, ends meet with the skyrocketing inflation in Eretz Yisrael, uh, with the uh, abuse by the government, and uh, more than anything else, by the lack of concern of uh, some of the uh, donors that are out there where a lot of money is going to help Ukraine 
and help uh, a lot of other causes while the uh, world of Torah and the world of uh, poverty continues to get worse. So we had to take uh, desperate measures in these desperate times and uh, anyone that saw my shield saw that we, uh, we did it uh, just in the last 24 hours. We, uh, you know, we don't have millions of dollars. We had a few hundred thousand dollars in the account and we simply took almost all of it and $250,000. Uh, we sent it to Rami Levy uh, supermarkets to buy the gift cards. Uh, this is the contract with Rami Levy. This is the uh, wire transfer. We had to do two wires to save some money from the banks. But uh, the point is, is that uh, this is enough to uh, feed, uh, I don't know, probably uh, 8,000 people, 10,000 people, give or take. Uh, and uh, we, have, we haven't started a campaign. We haven't raised a single dollar. We don't even know if anybody's going to help. All we know is that our brothers don't have money to eat matzah, to buy matzah, uh, to, 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 to buy the, the basic needs for Pesach. Um, and uh, some of them work, some of them uh, work and learn. Uh, literally, the struggling is coming from everywhere. So we figured that in order to show Hashem that we love Him, and uh, you know, that to show Him that we love His children too, we have to do something that uh, was necessary as, as part of our love of Hashem, as part of our love of His people. If you want to be partners with us, you're more than welcome to. The campaign is on bhpesach.org. As I said, I already sent the money. Uh, if you want to be part of it, you're more than welcome to. If we get more than what we uh, already uh, uh, sent, surely we'll send that too. Uh, if we don't get anything, then at least we know that uh, close to 10,000 Jews are going to be able to eat. Either way, you never lose out by doing a mitzvah. And at the very least, uh, we're able to have the merit to do so. Uh, we'd love to see you as our partners. Uh, as some of you have in the past, and Bezad Hashem will continue to help Am Yisrael both spiritually and physically in any way that we can. Ba'uch Adonai Lo'olam, Amen Amen. Chai v'achotai yekarim. Anachnu nimtzayin kama yamim mifnei chai v'apesach shel shanat avshin peyvet. Anachnu nimtzayin כולנו, כל עם ישראל, בתקופה מאוד 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 לא פשוטה. לא רק שזה אחרי הקורונה ואחרי כל הסכנות שהיו וחשש ההידבקויות הנוראות, התחילה תקופה של פיגועים בארץ ישראל. צערנו התקיים בנו הפסוק, מחוץ תשקל חרב ומחדרים אימה. אנשים מפחדים לצאת לעבוד, אנשים חוששים. כלל גדול לימדו אותנו חז"ל, ותפילה ותשובה וצדקה מעבירים את רוע הגזירה. יש לכם הזדמנות כאן לבוא ולעזור למשפחות נזקקות, משפחות של בני תורה, משפחות של אנשים צדיקים וישרים, שארגון בעזרת השם החליט לבוא ולעזור להם לחגוג את הפסח כבני חורין. בואו והצטרפו אל הזכות הגדולה הזאת, והזכות שלכם בוודאי תעמוד לכם ולהגן עליכם ולשמור עליכם ועל כל אחד ואחת מבני משפחותיכם בכלל כל עם ישראל. כל הצדקה שנתרמת לארגון בעזרת השם הולכת מאה אחוז לנזקקים. אין עמלות, אין אחוזים, אין כלום. הכל הולך לנזקקים שיקנו אוכל ויוכלו לחגוג את חג הפסח בשמחה ובניצה. אהוביי, ההזדמנות הזאת היא הזדמנות מיוחדת שהקדוש ברוך הוא גלגל לידיכם. 
אל תעמדו מנגד, עלו על העגלה בדרך אל הגאולה. תודה רבה.